0: Wait for it. Five, four, three, two, one. It's showtime. Hey out there, everybody, and welcome to 546, the Caffeination 546 Build and Sanitize Edition here at the Caffeination Podcast. Hopefully, you are having a fantastic evening out there in the ionosphere, wherever you happen to be sticking this podcast in your ears. If you're driving, if you are wandering your way throughout the cosmos, hopefully, this meets you on an absolutely fantastic day. So, we have a lot of really good and interesting stuff for you to, to stick in your ears and listen and learn about today. Hopefully, you're going. To enjoy it, uh, first things first, we'd like to do a quick little rundown of uh, some of the sponsors for today's show. The sponsors, uh, the primary sponsor for today's show, as always, is Puzzle Piece Productions. Design that fits. If you need a new website or a logo, let us create something beautiful for you. It's quite simply design that fits over at puzzlepiecepro.com. That is my design company, so you can head on over there and check out what we do and how we do do it. It's going to be a little bit easier to do that in the future. I'm going to share as to why. Uh, our show is hosted by Inner Server, so if you click on the link in the uh, show notes, if you're looking for web or... Uh, If you're looking for web hosting or servers or anything like that, then it's an affiliate link and you'll be able to help support the show that way. Also, we have Amazon ads and all other kinds of ads on the site. So if you click on any of them, you're helping the show as well. So thank you for everybody out there who happens to uh, do that and helps keep the lights on here down in the caffeination layer. It's been a while since we talked about the layer. That's kind of an interesting little... uh, problem we have now since we are of course recording in the garage where all good things happen uh (laughs) the ceiling fell out of the back end of the garage about a week and a half ago and i forgot to tell you about it Uh, not necessarily that i have to you know detail everything that goes on in my life but it was kind of one of those things where it's like okay well i guess i'm really glad that i didn't set up the studio towards the other end of the garage mainly because uh, water started pouring out of the ceiling. And yes, I said water, not water, because we are from Philadelphia, and that's just how we done knew. Uh <laughs> But water started pouring out of the ceiling, and apparently I had a pipe leak above it. I fixed that, and then I had to rip down all kinds of insulation. So we are currently waiting for that to dry out, and then I'm going to fix the mold problem down in the caffeination layer. But any good layer should have a nice layer of mold. Two uses of layer, one sentence. Hopefully you kept up alright, so if you are looking for this podcast or any of its other episodic brethren you can find them lovingly nestled over at www.caffination.com that is caffeination.com for all of you who are still trying to figure all this stuff out we exist in part because of the sponsors that we already talked about but mostly because of you, the listeners so thank you for everybody who keeps writing in and sending us tweets, comments suggestions, feedbacks, or Uh, suggestions, but uh, you can do so at caffeination at gmail.com, paul at caffeination.com, or you can uh, tweet at us at caffeination, or you can call into the listener line. Yes, we have a listener line uh, at 215-240-1319. And that turned out to be really, really low and not as impressive as I was hoping for. But yeah, the sound effects, just the the, the different levels are not really working for me today. All right. (laughs) All right. So the first thing we got to talk to you about today, Geek Cruft section, we're diving right on in. Now, if you remember in last week's saga, last week we uh, spent a good portion of time resurrecting the server because I had messed a bunch of stuff up in my haste to secure and make sure that it was running as perfectly as possible. However, I ended up with a much faster server than I originally had. Didn't realize that there was a couple bottlenecks that I myself had put in place. So, and this is an unmanaged server. Usually when I work with clients, we all do managed servers just because it's a little bit easier. I personally tried to save myself some money and tried to get a little bit more bang for my buck. And I like playing around in servers. So that's what you get when you do that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so everything worked out for the best. Now... The funny thing is, this podcast has been on the air, more or less, for over 10 years. And during that time, we've gone from three different hosting platforms. We went from Podomatic for about uh, 25 episodes. Then we went over to uh, 1&1, which I absolutely loved their service, up until I had a couple issues. And I found out that their data server, (laughs) that their servers were mostly located in Germany. So when I had an issue, I had to wait until... The techs in Germany, because I never just have normal issues like, hey, I forgot my password. No, no, no. I I have issues that require, like, things to get escalated. Just because if if you're a plumber, things break in your house for plumbing. If you're an electrician, nothing works electrically. If you are an IT guy, which I have been an IT guy on and off throughout most of my life, then things just break in IT. So that's just how it goes with me. But (laughs) never does that on client sites, which is, you know... Knock on wood, but the the funny thing is. As I was trying to work with them through the issues, they said, well, you know, this would help a lot better if you could call us during our normal business hours. Well, their normal business hours were significantly farther ahead. So about six years ago, I switched over to InnerServer because InnerServer's data servers, not only were they competitive with Price and one-on-one, their service was just as good. But their servers are located both in Jersey and in California. So if I wanted to uh, talk to an escalated tech, then it was a lot easier because they were on my schedule All right, but the funny thing was in building this new website uh, one of the things that I've come across and I've started to do it on the caffeination so far is I wanted to find a way to make sure that the site looked a lot more visually appealing and, and that it had a lot more different things that were going on so I found this really wonderful company that does WordPress themes called Elegant Themes. Now I've used their products before but this is the first time that I ever went all in and got the complete developer license so that I can actually you know, use these for client sites. I can build out all kinds of fun, crazy things with them, but the best part about it is that their sites are incredibly easy to to uh, to maintain. Now, this is not an affiliate link. This is not a sales pitch. This is nothing other than me telling you that if you have a, uh, a WordPress site, I would highly suggest you head on over to elegantthemes.com. We do have a link in the show notes. It's not an affiliate link or anything like that. It's just a link to help you. Uh, you don't need to know how of code to do anything on their their themes. You In fact, you don't need to know how to do a whole lot to get a beautiful website up and running and relatively quickly. So I highly suggest you head on over there if that is uh, what you are interested in doing. But the other fun thing that uh, I was talking to somebody uh, the other day and they said, but If you're going to tell people about the elegant themes and you're going to tell people about the theme that you currently use on most of your sites, Divi, D-I-V-I, why would you do that if you build sites as a way to supplement your income? Well, the, the, the thing that I've always kind of stuck to in my own personal business is that an educated consumer is my best consumer, so if I can find a way for you to run your business a little bit smoother... If even if that means down the road that we might not have as much work together, then you know what, I'm more than happy to help you out. But if you need a, kind of an expert hand at things to guide you around, then that's what I'm here for. So, uh, I you know, it, it might cost me some customers, but those customers are highly motivated people in their own selves. So, uh, <laughs> it's one of the things that I've been really kind of enjoying playing around with a lot of their different customization options. All right, now the next little thing that i have for you today is one of uh, a question i had coming in was how do i manage everything that goes on both in my day job at temple university and in my uh, after hours job with uh, puzzle piece productions and the podcast and everything else that goes on and how do i do all these different things when making sure that you know Column A stays in Column A, and Column B doesn't infringe on Column C when Column C needs to be get driven to cheerleader practice. So one of the f- tools that I've found online is called ZenKit. Uh, so uh, this is another one of those things that if you are a fan of to-do lists, this is a to-do list on steroids. Uh, it has something called a Kanban board, and if you are a fan of project management, you'll know what that is. But it is a basically a way for you to put digital sticky notes up there. You can have a mind map up there so that you know task A relies on task B, and you can move backwards and forwards and switch between different views. And they have a wonderful free option. And uh, Like everybody in my family says, if it's free, it is for me. So you can head on over to zenkick.com if you're interested in a project management software that will actually help you out. They have apps available for everybody's phones, so it's uh, good for that. And again, that's not an affiliate link or or anything. That's just something I wanted to share with the group group in the middle of the GeekCraft section. So I've had a lot of strange requests uh, from time to time about what... It takes to actually run the empire that is the Caffeination Podcast. And uh, these are just uh, a couple of the little things that I've done to make my life a little bit easier. You know what I mean? All right, moving right along over to hypebeast.com. A peek inside a monumental exhibit featuring only artificially intelligent generated artworks. Now, this is, they say AI generated, but... When you say artificially intelligent, is it an artificial intelligence? Like, what, how do you conjugate that second word to make it an appropriate sentence? But that's neither here nor there. There's a wonderful uh, gal art gallery called Nature Morte in New Delhi that just opened with a show with only AI-made pieces. Now, I'm wondering exactly how this works out. Is it that they only open the show and that the AIs themselves get credit? Because if down the road, when our robot overlords take over, and, you know, I for one welcome them, um, are they going to be looking back in time and saying, well, you know what, you were uh, culturally appropriating our wonderful artworks that we were producing for you as a way of introducing ourselves to your culture but no 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 you decided to take your artist's name and slap it on top of it just because you happen to program it because if they're true artificially intelligent beings then when do does the ownership of the artwork actually take place it's uh, the opposite end of the issue that we had when there was a uh, a, a photographer who had his camera stolen by a chimpanzee, and the chimpanzee took a selfie. So, who owns the copyright to that pho- photo? Does the chimp own it? <laughs> Does the guy who owned the camera own it? It was a legal gray area, and you know there was a lot of monkey business that happened. And I think it was basically because the uh, the the shot, everything that goes into actually making the shot, was uh, basically the chimp. Uh, the chimp owned the copyright, so it was basically within the public domain so if the chimps ever become sentient he that that's the first work of art that uh first work of art within the photography realm that a chimp can lay claim to now it, it, when it comes to artificially intelligent uh, programs, are they only capable of doing art or or can they do other things I don't know, so there are different. <laughs> There are different pieces that are currently up there. And uh it, it's just one of the, the it's a it's an interesting realm. I'd like to see exactly where this goes. I love the idea that computers can generate art and there's you know, um all kind of program, programmatically generated art that's already out there. And that in that case, the person who wrote the program is the one who actually owns the art. But in this case, if you're saying something is AI-generated, you're saying that something is intelligent in and of itself after you're finished and you put the dot last semicolon in there, because most programming, for some reason, uses semicolons to end the line. But uh, when you have that out there, like, if you're saying it's AI, where does the ownership stop and start? Are you saying that you own it because that's where it lives on the computer or are you saying you own it because that's you're the the progenitor of it? And if that's the case, you can uh, kind of back it up even further and say, okay, so does that mean that every child who produces artwork uh, of varying uh, consistencies? Does that mean that their parents actually own it because they're technically the progenitor of the artist in question? So it's one of the things that I was just kind of sitting there and thinking about. And this is why they don't let me out in public very often. All right. Now, next, moving right along to uh, something that's supposed to be used for (laughs) something else completely. Four out of five dentists are trying to break into your house. Yes, that's right. With an Oral-B toothbrush, one of the the, what they call a disposable, uh, you too can make your very own automated pick gun for lockpicking purposes. So I kind of thought this was pretty awesome, and I wanted to share the video with the group. This is a really simple video. It takes approximately three minutes uh, to, to get it going, but because there's a slight oscillation in the shaft, <laughs> when you take apart the uh, t- toothbrush, you can file it down so that it actually fits in the slot, and it can actually raise the tumblers in the, the, the thing... In the locking mechanism, up significantly well. They're significant enough to actually unlock them. And as long as you're doing it and you're shaking it, moving it forward, it will continue to raise the tumblers. And then with a tension wrench, which is the second piece of the lock uh, picking device that you need, or a, you know, basically a flat-ended Allen wrench, you too can open almost any lock that's out there, including ones that have supposedly anti-pick mechanisms. So I'm going to let you head on over there and check this out because it is really, really dead simple. Now, we're not saying that you should try this because, you know, it's illegal to pick a lock. However, it's legal to pick a lock that you own, and it is entirely legal, both for hobby purposes and otherwise, to pick any lock that's in your house, as long as, you know, you own the contents inside it. So if you happen upon a house where you buy it, and there's a locked door, strange locked door in the basement that you've never seen before, and you really want to get in there, maybe, if there's no magical spells guarding it, you too can now get in there with an Oral-B toothbrush. So I wanted to share that with the group, and just moving right along. All right, now the next thing for you out there, there's something called the 61, or the 69, yeah, so it's 6ix, wireless smartphone charger. So it works on the, uh, the same kind of technology that both Apple and Samsung use to wirelessly charge things. It has a clock base in the bottom, but okay, that's all well and good. The really interesting part of it is that there's a arm that actually reaches over top of the cell phone and it actually sanitizes your cell phone. Now, I'm really iffy on this. Now, I'm not saying that UV light and all these different uh, methods that people actually use to sanitize things are bad. And there's another story that we have coming up right after this. What I'm saying is that if everything that you have has been sanitized to within an inch of its life, at what point does normal resistance to disease stop helping people out? Or if you want to run the George Carlin uh, uh, bit, he basically said, "When I was growing up, nobody washed their hands after they went to the bathroom. Everybody swam in raw rivers of, and uh, <laughs> we were fine." It's not entirely true. He was speaking a little bit uh, jokingly, being the comedian he is. But still, it's it the same kind of thing, often kind of leads me to wondering it's like okay is this actually the right thing to do does everything need to be censored within it or not censored that's a different problem entirely but does everything need to be sanitized within an inch of its life All right. So that's the phone charger. And then we move right along to Jump the Gap. The Roca International Design Contest over at uh, Yanko Design originally published this. But uh, Denise Laura Molina actually came up with portable sanitizing stations that are out there for uh, use in transit stations. I like this idea more than I like the phone thing, because the phone thing is, it's your phone. Where have you been putting your phone that you think you need to sanitize it? This, however, talks about sanit- uh, stations that are sitting in the general public. So you could put one directly outside of a restroom. You could put put one in, 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 uh, in subways and in all other kinds of areas that actually will allow you to sanitize your hands and clean yourself a little bit. And hopefully, you know, basically we could... Uh, Maybe reduce some of the overall contagions in the general population. I like that idea more than I like the idea of the uh, (laughs) of the, the smartphone sanitizer, unless you are a really filthy person and you need to wash your phone all the time. All right, moving right along. The next little thing we have for you is Nailed It designer Michael David Young. And you know because he has three names, he's a good designer, right? Well, he actually developed a system to load an, automatically load and tamp nails in. So basically you have a normal 16-ounce framing hammer that you load a set of nails into. When you grip the handle a certain way, it drops one hand, one nail down uh, just a little bit. You can hit it with the hammer enough to drive it into whatever surface you're working on, roughly a quarter of an inch. Then you hold it at the bottom of the ha- handle again, and it turns into a normal hammer. I love this idea. I'm wondering if it will work on things that are framed in anything other than a vertical fashion. I mean, because if it works and you're trying to hammer something up or hang, hammer something to the side, that's great because it basically avoids the idea that you're going to slam your thumb. Now, uh, there's been more than a couple times where I was uh, helping out my father or helping out other people that I've gotten my thumbs and fingers and all smashed, uh, trying to hold a nail steady and still. And uh, this this allows you to kind of do the Mr. Miyagi, thing where you tap, wham, and then put it in all by your lonesome. I like the idea, and hopefully everybody out there can head on over there and check it out. The video is worth it. You have to jump a little bit further in to actually get the full uh, boat, but it's kind of interesting. So I wanted to share it with the group, and we're moving right along. All right, next little story that we got up for you here. Uh, We have two stories left in the GeekCraft section, then we're going to head you down on into the Food and Caffeinated Bits section. The Lawnba, yes, the E1600 robotic lawnmower with Wi-Fi now. Now, there have been a couple different times throughout uh, lawn mowing and uh, autonomous robotic cleaning history that uh, these things have actually kind of come out of the woodwork. But I love the idea of the lawn robot more than a lot, a lot of the other ones. Between the lawn robot and the pool cleaner robot, I think this thing kind of uh, uh, details a lot of really interesting innovations. So first of all, for the lawn robot, what it actually does is it turns itself off when it's been tipped. It also has an app that allows you to control it. It has four retractable blades that rotate at through 3,000 RPMs, and it's specifically designed to actually uh, operate at under, under 60 decibels. So it's uh, out there doing good work in the hot, hot sun, and with uh, climate change doing what it done do, uh, the, the more that we can send other things out there, the better off we all are. All right, now the next little thing uh, we got for you here, and the last thing we have in the GeekCraft section, I've seen this thing floating around for about a week, and I had to share it. There's something called a FIDGE. Yes, it's a phone fidget spinner, and it's both an app and a item that you stick on the back of your phone. So if you stick on the, this thing on the back of your phone, you can spin your phone. That's all well and good. If you put the app on, it actually can turn things into spirals. Now, the, the funny thing about this is that I originally was looking at it going, that seems ridiculous. Why would you want to hold your phone and spin it? And then I saw some of their other videos where they're spinning it on their desk, and I don't care how much it is. It's only $9. I don't care about that. I don't care that there's nothing else that it can do. It's a unitasker. So unlike the pop sock that I have on the back of my phone, which is a tiny little thing that can extend out, <laughs> kind of like a tiny little pogo, Uh, on the back of my phone, and I can spin that if I really feel like it. I just don't think it's a good idea to spin your $600 to $900 phone around like like you just don't care. But if you have that kind of available money just for a $9 gadget, then you can head on over there and check that out as well. Alrighty, moving on into the food and caffeinated bits section, we are going to take a lovely sip of both news and the cold brewed coffee that is currently in front of me. Today's Food and Caffeinated Bits section is powered by Stoke. Yes, it's a wonderful beverage that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on, and it happens to be my favorite cold brew out there right now, uh, at least one that I've tried that is available in the stores. My favorite of all time cold brew is by a local chain called Saxby's and they're on a lot of college campuses and stuff like that in the Philadelphia area Uh, I think they're expanding further outwards but I love their uh, their cold brew it's one of the first things that I've ever had that literally needed absolutely no sugar to most people not just to people like me (laughs) all right so uh, one of the things that I've gotten a couple questions about when I was talking to some of the people that I that I routinely talk to about coffee, is that, you know, how do you grind your coffee at home? And they were talking to me because we do a lot of work with uh, French press. I do a lot of work when it comes to espresso making. And th- there's a, a couple different ways that I answer that. The one thing is, well, you use the correct grind for whatever it is that you're trying to make. And I always kind of struggle to hit off what what some of these things are. So, you know, coarse grind versus fine grind. One person's coarse is another person's slightly finer. And uh, depending on how coarse you go when you're working with a French press, then uh, you may get more or less sediment in the cup that you're dealing with. So the coarser it is on whole, the less likely it is to go through the mesh that you have in your French press. But the finer it is the the more of a uh, infusion you actually get into the coffee that you're drinking so my go-to has always been to head on over to iNeedCoffee.com and their lovely coffee grind chart so it has been updated various times throughout history and this is the current incarnation that's over there so this is a phenomenal resource so if you are unsure exactly how fine your coffee should be then there you go, including weights at the bottom for each sample size. So I have multiple different coffee grinders. I have both the really phenomenally expensive ones, the Brevial Smart Grinder. Uh, Is the most expensive one that I personally have, but uh, I also don't have a traditional espresso machine. I have a really neat, uh, super automatic espresso machine, but I don't have a traditional espresso machine since my uh, DeLonghi died uh, two, three years ago. Uh, But we'll talk about that another time. So if you're looking for that resource, there it is, heartily and lovingly selected over there. All right. The next thing that we got for you here is a power vault and camping stove all in one. Now, I'm unsure exactly how this thing functions, <laughs> but apparently the battery is charged when you use this as a wood-burning camp stove. So I'm going to share it over there. It was originally going to be shipped in October of 2018, and you can pledge $49 to pre-order the thing. Now, the way that most camp stoves work, you unfold this uh, piece of metal into a structure to hold pots. The way that this one works is you actually pull a power bank off to the side, and somehow the thermal heat that's rising up in the middle of it also helps to generate the charge for the battery. Now, this is not steam-driven. This is not steampunk. This is nothing else. I haven't figured it out. I would love to be able to see a unit. I don't need to own one. I just want to see it. I love the idea of it. I think it's really cool, but it's one of those things where it's in here because it's all about cooking, but uh, it's, it's there because I'm just that kind of curious about how it would actually fun- function. All right, now the next little thing we have for you here is again over at Yanko Design. It's a stovetop like you've never seen before. This is a stovetop where everything is below the counter height. So you have to use tra- you have to use specific pots direct that sink into specific holes in your countertop that can actually provide uh, heat through induction all the way around it. So as opposed to a stove, it's like having an in uh, counter crock pot. And you can set the time, you can set all kinds of other one Fun things. Now, the only thing and the biggest problem I see with this is that you can't just use any old pot. You can't just throw, you know, Grandma's uh, spaghetti pot down in there and have it do what it needs to do. And the other thing that I think is a big issue with it is that there's no uh, <laughs> there there's no way to actually turn it into like an electric stove. Although I personally enjoy cooking on gas stoves more. Um, there's no way to turn it into anything other than what it is. So it's it's a unique uh cooking surface but it's not one that you'd be able to uh use for more than a little while because i mean god forbid you actually crack one of those uh pots then all of a sudden one of the holes in your countertop is no longer functional all right speaking about unitaskers and things that are rather interesting but uh hopefully <laughs> a lot better off than the last one uh we are moving right back over to iNeedCoffee.com. michael allen smith has a review and a recipe for the, uh, he has a review, rather, of the uh, Cuisinart ice cream maker, and he has a recipe for making coffee ice cream. Now, unfortunately, I cannot partake because of the whole stupid milk thing. And the wonderful thing about almond milk is that it doesn't work the same way in uh, in uh, ice cream makers. However, I have not yet tried to do lactate milk. And uh, I'm kind of worried because once you dump all the stuff in there, you're basically committing wholeheartedly to that recipe. And anything that comes out the other end, you're going to have to consume one way or another. So I'm going to have to try it before you know we we have a heat wave that breaks over here. I mean, it's still over 100 degrees in general (laughs) daily here in Philadelphia. But uh, this is one of those things where I'm just going to set it and forget it. I just want to share the rest, the recipe rather, and uh, hopefully you uh, (laughs) enjoy uh this is it looks phenomenal and it it looks like a really easy way to actually make ice cream Uh, i have a different ice cream maker that's here mine is like some no-name brand that has a bucket that you fill up with ice around a uh, centered uh aluminum bowl so we can make all kinds of different uh quantities of ice cream so uh, (laughs) i i love the idea of it we'll see if uh actually remember to actually get the uh, lactate milk and then I'm going to end up uh, trying to follow the recipe over here and we'll uh, report back next week. All right. Now the next little thing that we got for you here is the last item in the food and caffeinated bits section. This episode has been as most of the episodes for this podcast have been fueled by a brand of cold brewed coffee called Stoke. Now they are currently in the middle of an ad campaign with little John, a rapper uh you may remember him because he just says okay and what repeatedly but uh he's fun he's interesting and they have a whole bunch of fun and interesting <laughs> recipes that exist here and the best part is that some of them are alcoholic some of them are non-alcoholic so they have summer tonic a reinvigorating summer classic that is <laughs> let me how have... get so all you need is one part tonic, one part cold-brewed coffee, and one part grapefruit essence. So there is no alcohol in that one. It looks like it has alcohol. It has a tonic in general. Uh, there's a sangria that I'm pretty sure it has a uh, restorative in there. So you have seltzer water, grenadine, cold-brewed coffee, and then you have your, uh, your your other stuff. Again, a lot of these things say that they're alcohol, but they don't have any libations in them. So uh, I, I like that idea. I like that you can enjoy things however you see fit. So I am currently enjoying the uh, unsweet cold brewed coffee and uh, hopefully you can uh, head out there and check it out as well. All right, and then the last little thing we have for you today, the final thought on today's Caffeination Podcast is Nike, their ad, and the art of the knee-jerk reaction. So now if you are unaware, Nike has announced that one, just remember, one of the faces for their upcoming ad campaign, now they just recently signed a a $1 billion contract for eight years to to, uh, have all of the NFL's apparel go through them. So we're going to put that out there. Then we're going to put out there that the fact that they signed Colin Kaepernick to be a representative of the <laughs> Nike at the same point in time. Now, there's no determination on how long he's going to be with them. There's nothing else. They just said he is one of the athletes that they are going to be featuring. And it says, believe in something, even if it means sac- sacrificing everything. Now, that's what goes across the picture of his face. Now, it's basically because, for the long and the short of it, after Colin Kaepernick came out against uh, and decided to protest during the national anthem... And he originally sat on the bench, then after a conversation with a vet who said that that actually offended him, and if he wanted to do something, and he wanted to actually show support for the vets, he could kneel during the National Anthem, that he could do that as well. And he did it to to highlight racial injustice and how different people are treated differently within the country. Now, I'm not here to argue pros or cons for anything. I'm just here to say, Nike understood exactly what they're doing because they waited to announce this ad until after... The arbitrator in the uh, cases that were actually going to trial said that Colin Kaepernick had enough evidence to prove collusion to actually warrant a trial. So he is going to be in the news repeatedly over the next couple months unless the NFL decides to settle with him. Then Nike comes out with this ad that's going to air starting tomorrow night. Uh, When the world champion Philadelphia Eagles (laughs) take on the Atlanta Falcons, I like saying world champion Philadelphia Eagles because it's a hometown thing. You'll never understand. All right. But uh, so Nike has been. it's kind of interesting. But then people decided in the knee jerk reaction world of the Internet that they were going to start cutting up Nike apparel that they already own because this apparently offends them. And we're not going to go into all this. What we're going to go into is the fact that any publicity is good publicity. That's what I want to kind of get through to people. I want people to understand. Nike understood that they were going to take a hit. When they picked Colin Kaepernick, they understood that because he's going to be in the news and because the issue that he's going to be in the news for is a charged situation, that it was not going to be a happy-go-lucky, hey, we picked Serena Williams, or hey, we picked somebody that everybody absolutely loves. No, they picked Colin Kaepernick, who is already a charged figure. They knew things were going to go down. Now you have people on the conservative side of the aisle, who are more conservative than not, who are saying that this is ridiculous and that they're burned and otherwise maiming pieces of Nike apparel that they already own. Nike doesn't care because, you know, Nike already uh, already has the money from the sales. Then they're saying that they're going to boycott. Okay, that's one thing. And then there was a sell-off of some Nike stock, and that's another thing. So if Nike's really behind this entirely, what they're going to do is they're just going to hold fast because the other side is going to have a reverse reaction to it, and then they're either going to buy Nike stock, they're going to buy. They're counting on the counterpunch of coming back and saying, okay, so you're going to have all these people who are on the other side of the political line who are going to actually support this. You can bet that they did the cost-benefit analysis and somewhere in some boardroom where there's people who don't care a lick about Colin Kaepernick or anybody else, they've already decided all this. So if you're enraged or if you're not, just remember, you've already been counted. (laughs) All right. That about wraps it up here today for the Caffeination Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode, uh, because I certainly enjoyed giving it to you. If you are looking for this or any of the episodic friends that it happened to have made along its way, then you can head on over to www.caffination.com. That's caffeination.com. If you are looking for a way to get a hold of us, to give us comments, feedback, suggestions, then you can please send that over to twitter.com slash caffeination we have a facebook fan page or you can email me at caffeination at gmail.com and last but most certainly not least if you have hate mail, screaming, yelling gnashing of teeth that you'd like to put in audio format and you don't happen to have a nice easy way to do it I got one for you right here that is over at 215-240-1319 that is our listener feedback line so you just let me know whether or not you want it used on the show we've had a couple of them come in that haven't been (laughs) alright, so thank you very much for listening again, this has been Caffeination number 546 546 Oh, that was that kind of went out in a weird way, didn't it? Caffeination number 546, the Build and Sanitize edition here at the Caffeination podcast. Thank you very much for listening and stay caffeinated people.